I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North, the podcast where I take interesting people out on the ice to try their hand at a family tradition, spear fishing. While we wait the hours it may take for the opportunity to spear a northern, we'll shoot the shit, have some laughs, tell our stories, and hopefully go home with one in the bag. This week is the final and third part of a day I sat out with Trung Lee Gwyn, graphic novelist, comic illustrator, and returning champion from last season. We discussed TV shows, fandoms, common cultural touchstones, writing, and his upcoming projects, including his absolutely badass flagship tarot deck, and his first ever graphic novel set to debut in 2020. We were rambling on a bit, so I'll just drop into the ending point of a longer conversation that took too long to merit much consideration, but for the end bit. I, you know what, I can't say whether or not it's worse, but like it's also really terrible when some guy, when guys will like show a lady like basic decency, and they're like, but she's not going to sleep with me, then why am oh. I showing you any... I'm like, just like playing the nice guy card. I'm like, uh, you know, that's like the baseline, right? You don't need to... Like, you don't get special treatment because you, you've risen above the bile to the very, very base level. <laughs> right, right. Like, are you kidding me? For real? Yeah. And it's still like, it's still kind of gamify. It is gamifying. It's like, oh, yeah. like, if I... If I do this, then I get that, and everything is transactional. And it's like life is not a life is not The Sims. You yeah. can't do this. <laughs> uh, funny. People have the wildest ideas about like who owes what. Yeah. In terms of those, in, in terms of like sex and I don't know, it's always about power and not in a way that anybody likes to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Like people seem to think that like oh like sex is about like the cachet that you can develop around your ego for being good at it, for being good at whatever. Like, so you could, like, are you a very successful Lothario or not? And people don't seem to make the connection between that and the bolstering of, like, your ego and, like, how that's tied to that with, like, your sense of control and your sense of power. And, like, talking about it that way kind of makes it unsexy, so I, like, kind of understand why people don't approach it that way, but at the same time, it's like, obviously, this is what's going on. And you think you're owed this, and you get angry when you don't get it. Yep. Yeah, which is weird. You know, and like, where do we learn that? I mean, everywhere. But... Right. right. <laughs> People are terrible. I mean, really, at the end of the day, it's hard to believe anything but that. <clears throat> like, which... I mean, I'm I'm really not that cynical. I'm very like I. I really, like, I'm one of those, like, hammy, crunchy people who are, like, I believe in the goodness of everybody, and, like, right to a certain extent, like, there are checks on that, obviously, but, like, in general, I feel like, you know, people are doing their best, but sometimes it's really difficult to continue to believe that. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Like, I talk a lot about being out here with different people, uh, very different people, um, and how, you know, in general, one of the most basic ideas behind all of this is that, you know, humanity is pretty even, be it, you know, you or me or Doozer or Steve or Erica or my high school teacher or this professor I had from BSU, like, we're all very, very different, but we're all humans. We're all trying to make sense out of the world, you know, and you know, put those people in this little small room, talk about shit, you know, kind of levels the playing field a little bit, right? Like, we all are kind of exposed to our most basic humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and this format gives people room to 
like not have to share the space and we can like kind of dig into some things that are more pertinent to ourselves on a personal level. Right. And I think that's often very relatable to a listener, right? Like you can see part of yourself or part of your struggle or part of your life being spoken about and identified with by a total stranger most of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's a cool part of this, you know, um, but then again, you know, I don't think I'd sit out here with a registered member of the Nazi party. No. <laughs> or you know what I'm trying to, like, yeah. Yeah. I really like all the little, like, lake vegetation. That's pretty spiffy. Yeah, we weren't really on any last year. Yeah. And, and there's, like, foliage under here. I'm yeah. into that. Yeah. Like I say, it's crazy. Uh, like, this is basically the only way you can have this perspective. Mm-hmm. Because if you're on the lake in the summer, you can't really see in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're fishing through a hole, you can't really see in it. So unless you go scuba diving, or you do this. Or you you have a pontoon with a hole in the middle, which would make it maybe less effective. Sure, or like a glass-bottom boat. I guess I've seen those, yeah. Yeah. Oh, glass-bottom boats freak me out. (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't think I'd like that. No, I would not like that experience. Sad we have not seen a pike all day. I know. What is all this cracking that I'm hearing? Uh, traffic. Well, it's the ice, but from the traffic. For having all the amenities to stay on the lake for a fucking week, that guy should certainly leaves a lot. I mean, it is the weekend, too. I mean, there's always more traffic mm-hmm. on the weekends. Right, right. What are those mollusk-looking things at the bottom? Clamshells? We have clamshells out here? Yeah. That one, so there's like the, the one that's just like half, mm-hmm. and then there's one this way. Yeah. That's like two halves. Yeah. yeah that's like a, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole clam. Dead, obviously, I think, but. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you'd eat them. No. Freshwater clam seems real sus. Yeah. Yeah. Sketch at best. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, long-term career goals so to speak or are you just kind of taking it one step at a time hoping I mean, for the best i'm hoping to continue to put out books and like tell more stories that would be really cool um i don't have any like huge grand ambitions like i don't want any kind of like i'm not hunting for any kind of crossover success i think like animation is stressful like i would like for my media to stay in the media it was intended for the most part It'd be nice to make a little more money, but, like, that, I don't know. I'm not super, I don't have, like, large ambitions. I have long-term ambitions, and that's just to keep doing what I'm doing in a sustainable way. Yeah, it'd be fun to be able to, like, collaborate with more people and be in a place where I can be choosier about my projects. Um, I mean, to a great extent, I already really am, so I'm not super worried about it. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what the future holds for me because I, the thing that I've learned so far in this industry is that it's changing rapidly. It's being professionalized in a way that begs a lot of really important questions about like, how do we, how do we organize? How do we not be a bunch of decentralized freelancers that can be taken advantage of by large corporations all of the time? How do we protect each other? How do we hold each other accountable when one of us starts acting shitty? Like it's, there are a lot of questions about how to go about 
making sure that we like as a like as a professional informal professional cohort of some kind like how do we how do we navigate our our businesses and that's always hard and it's changing so much that i'm not really sure how much of it like everything feels really makeshift at the moment because everything changes so quickly that it's difficult to keep up and it's difficult for things to stay relevant for an extended period of time animation has done a better job of it because at least they've unionized but mm. comic artists freelancers writers have not so there's no like there's no like illustrators like comic artists guild really i think there are some efforts to do that now but i don't really have a lot of faith in the direction that they're going because they people have tried to unionize comic artists before and a lot of the work has been done and that sort of fell by the wayside or fell apart for some reason or another and i don't know why and the revival of it I don't have a whole lot of faith in because a lot of the leaders are retreading ground and not doing their research and not understanding what's been done before and what's been done already and they're not taking advantage of their resources in meaningful ways. It's like, it's very hodgepodge and doesn't feel very professional and completely, like, I just don't know where it's going to go. But if they succeed, more power to them. It'd be better for everyone. And we'd like for them to succeed, but realistically, like, where is it going to end up? Mm. And I feel like, particularly in this industry, we've sort of come to a place where people have taken advantage of its informality in order to be as mercenary as possible in ways that don't have professional reper repercussions yet. We have our own abuse scandals. We have a lot of, like, kind of disingenuous posturing and performative goodwill. And it becomes kind of a shit show that I don't really like to participate in to that extent. Um, and I, f there, like, at some point in my career, I thought that it was necessary to, like, have my finger on the pulse of that at all times. But apparently, if you're just decent to people and you turn in your work on time, you don't really have to engage with the petty minutiae of people's, like, interpersonal problems. Hmm. I think that's another danger of like the relative informality and the decentralized nature of freelancers in an industry like comic books, which is like kind of like, oh, this was a fun thing that people used to do and now we're professionalizing is that people seem to conflate their personal issues with uh, their professional issues and it becomes kind of a hot mess because everybody's expectations of one another are wildly different. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's inconsistent and messy and people don't know how to like it's an industry where like people are both incredibly over familiar with each other and at the same time don't trust each other enough to have a one on one conversation and take people aside and be like, Hey, let's solve this problem. Hmm. But a lot of really great work gets done too, so Right. I was gonna say, do you think there's a collective movement to try to fix that or do you think it is just kind of just a fucking garbage fire for a while yet um i i wouldn't put it quite in those terms <laughs> uh i think um because of the dynamic nature of the industry it's just going through constant growing pains all of the time so i feel like a lot of it is just kind of par for the course i think like a lot of industries 
Like the film industry, like there's been a lot of professionalizing that's happened over the past 50 or 60 years. Like this, like the studio system, like going by the wayside was not that long ago. And so the notion that there are like grifters and abusers and people who are taking advantage of their positions and um, of people's naivete and their willingness to chase their dreams like that seems like it it makes the controversies in comics and in graphic narrative publishing seem contextually like this makes sense it sounds a little cynical almost to think that this is a thing that like you've come to expect but at the same time like if you can name it and if you can expect it then you can take steps to mitigate and protect mitigate that you know the bad stuff and protect people I wonder who the first person who was like, hmm, let's cut a hole in this and see what we can find. Man, it's got to be like thousands of years ago, right? I'm sure, yeah. Old-ass tradition of cutting holes in the ice and sitting on it and waiting for fish to come. Yeah, yeah. Much more serious than this, I think. I'm sure. If we had to live by it. Right, yeah. A lot more pressure. Certainly would have speared that muskie this morning if we had to live. You're right. <laughs> and I might have even thrown at that little perch that swam through earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Have a nice little snack. Yeah. Man, if you were feeding a family, oh, you'd need every bit you could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird to me the way that, like... I don't know, food gathering has become in a lot of ways, like, recreational. Like, you don't have to do it anymore. People do it because they like to do it now. And, like, we don't really think about people who, like, still make their living off of it. It's yeah it's weird to think about. I know you said your dad was, like, a fisherman, or your mom's family was fisher folk. Yeah. And your dad would free dive for fucking lobsters. For lobster, yeah. Um, is there any, like, hunting traditions? I don't know. I kind of don't think so. I'm, like, really not sure. Like, my parents have never... Like, it's all, like, very informal, so they don't really talk about it in terms of, like, yeah, this was passed down from here to here. They're like, oh, this is just a thing that I know how to do. Sure. So I've never... We've never had a conversation about it that way. Not within that context, at least. Sure. Yeah. I bet it'd be fun to ask them about it. See what that was like. I mean, hunting in the water and hunting on land aren't Mm -hmm. that different, really, you know? I was just curious if there was any trans or you know like a because i don't know and up here it's like everyone deer hunts or duck hunts it's like i don't know what the fuck you'd hunt in vietnam yeah yeah but there's you know there's lots of fishing and people raise chickens everywhere and, and ducks people raise ducks too because like ducks are hard to raise here because like they require water and that's difficult to maintain and keep clean but like if you're living you know by the ocean and like everything's kind of wet already it becomes sort of a natural extension. So sure. Like, apparently ducks are huge dicks. Like, they're jerks. Um, and what my dad used to do is that he used to put duck eggs um, in a chicken nest because the hens will raise them. Hens okay. will raise anything. Like, if it's if it wound up in their nest, like, they will take care of it. They're like, this is mine now. You are now my child. I'm going to raise you. Huh. And so you get lots of, like, hens raising ducks it's really fascinating well so i don't know if i ever said anything about it but 
when you were talking about discovering how chickens fuck. <laughs> duck fucking is even crazier. I don't want to know about duck fucking. I've heard I've heard things. It's brutal. Oh, it's man. not friendly. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Cuz they got that like corkscrew dick situation. Yeah, and females have like false vagina. Like a little red herring vagina. Yeah, so like if they, you know, don't want to, you know, because it's not, you know, consensual. Right. So if they don't, like, if they don't think that the male is, like, suitable or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, she just, like, redirects it down, like, a dead end. All right. Like, yeah, dude, isn't that crazy? Like, oh, man. That's wild. Isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And they're one of those weird, um, I guess a lot of animals do this, but they like sleep half their brain. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that is or what that's called. And uh, that's why if you ever see like a group of ducks in a row, like the front one is sleeping, say it's like left half mm-hmm. and the back one is sleeping its right half and all the ones in the middle are totally asleep. <laughs> That's amazing. And then like halfway through the sleep cycle, the front and back ducks will switch places so they can sleep the opposite side of their brains. Excellent. And like keep watch. That's that's good. Yeah, apparently a lot of animals do that. It's like terrestrial mammals don't. Ah, okay. Interesting. Um, that, like, because there's can, like, like very little predation risk. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, or like, you know, they have dens or burrows or other ways of mm-hmm. safeguarding themselves so that they can do that, or so they can sleep their whole brains. It's kind of like that weird thing, right, in, in Tolkien where he talks about like the elves doing the weird sleepwalking thing, right? Or oh, I, yeah. Wait, remembering that, right? I can't remember exactly, but it sounds familiar. Oh, what a weird man. <laughs> that Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Big old nerd. I don't like our history. I'm gonna make one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same old white power fantasies, but with dragons. <laughs> you make me feel bad about the books that I like, Trung. Listen, I enjoy these books too. Okay, alright. As long as as long as there's the stamp of approval. Listen. I am I like comic books. I am very yeah. accustomed to my media being problematic as fuck. <clears throat> uh, funny. Uh, we have so many I feel like I have a lot of discussions about like the distinctions between fantasy and science fiction and the bigoted fears that are that kind of fuel both of them. Because high fantasy is often about, like, you know, like, there's this, uh, it's, like, battles of succession, and then, like, the other is, like, this, like, you know, there's, like, lots of, like, ancient evils and, like, Mm -hmm. competing nations and that sort of thing, whereas, like, science fiction, the fear is predicated on xenophobia and, like, fear of the other and, like, the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. 
Whereas in fantasy, the unknown is sort of like oftentimes taken for granted that like you're just not going to know a bunch of shit and there's mysteries everywhere, but it's the people, it's those things that you are familiar with that are your enemies. And there's like old rivalries and all that. That kind of fascinates me. Is there a way out of that though? You know, like, is that just like codified as the way it is now? No, I mean, that's, I think it's a very old way of looking at it. Like I'm thinking specifically of like, Tolkien and the way that he describes orcs as like swarthy scimitar wielding like grunting like they're Oily, very black slant eyed yeah every yeah. time every time he describes them as swart or swarthy just like any german iteration of the term for black i'm like tolkien you motherfucker and then on the other hand you have like you know you've got um what's his name lovecraft who was notoriously racist and, like, a lot of his stories were about, you know, just uh, kind of anxieties of the day played up quite a lot about, you know, like, Asian people. And, like, there's a fair bit of probably anti-Semitism, too, mm. if I remember correctly. Seminal works. Our cranky forefathers were sure were pieces of shit. Yeah. But, you know, exciting things are happening and new authors are coming out all the time and people are making entirely exciting new worlds all the time so i don't know i i don't feel pessimistic about it i think it's gonna you know people will find what they need to find and people will make what they need to make and as long as it's out there it's going to find its own audience and it'll take a while before any of it becomes whatever the canon is Mm. i mean there shouldn't be one to begin with i don't think but i don't know people like having common points of references if yeah. we're going to circle back to Harry Potter. Right. Yep. <clears throat> Did you get into any of the other, like, big space opera shows or No, things? I've never been a science fiction person. Gotcha. Yeah, they've always been... I think that's the thing. Like, a big difference is that, like, um, fantasy fans, when I was growing up, were all very, like, you know, they'd get together and, like, play D&D or whatever. But, like, science fiction fans, like, there was some heavy gatekeeping there. Because mm. it was like, oh, this, this is property that's... It, it just always felt inaccessible to me. Where it was like, I don't relate to any of you, and I don't know why you care about all of this stuff. But <clears throat> I really liked fantasy, because it was like, oh, like, this stuff is already readily available. And there's not, like, the thrill of discovery, really. It's sort of like... Or not a thrill of discovery of things in the future, like, looking forward. Like, a lot of, like... Science fiction is about, like, oh, like, won't the future be exciting, and isn't it also terrifying in these particular future-facing ways? Whereas, like, a lot of fantasy is, like, you know, ancient evils and looking back and, like, discovering your history and, you know, kind of um, digging up old grudges and finding things. Like, it's, like, fantasy tends to look to the past that way. And so it's just two different directions of, like, kind of the same coin. But when you look at the past, there's sort of, like, this... Like, it's a little bit democratic. There's not, like, a frontiersmanship in terms of looking at the past in the same way that, you know, science fiction looks at the future. And so I feel like there's a lot more... Like, it's competitive in a way that consuming fantasy just wasn't. And so I just liked my dragons because I didn't have to deal with all that. That's fair. Did you play D&D? Nope. Okay. I played it for the very first time, I think, a couple years ago, and I hate math, so there was no... (laughs) I was like, I can't sustain this. 
That's funny. Yeah, it's also not an expedient way to build a narrative, and it wasn't a great way to um, to be social either. Because like, I know all your OCs, and I know nothing about you. So I was like, I'm gonna stay home and make comics. Fair enough. <laughs> I was like, what if D and D, but no math and no people. And then I realized, oh, that's called writing your own fucking book. Oh, I was going to say, isn't that like Skyrim? Also, like, the fact that you can buy property in Skyrim is amazing to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not picking up this dagger. I got a house to think about. Right. I, have a, I have a fantasy mortgage. Listen, the real estate struggle in Skyrim is real. <laughs> it's like, do I want to settle my family here? Do I want to... Do I want to buy the murder house and raise my children in the murder house? Yeah. Where am I going to find my husband? Is he going to be home with the kids? Is he going to accompany me? And if he accompanies me, is he going to die? And if he's going to die, am I going to be able to remarry? So many questions. I was like, Skyrim is getting too real for me, and all I want to do is throw fireballs at dragons. That's awesome. Have you ever tried to price, price a house in Windhelm? <laughs> the fucking Grey Mains own everything in Whiterun. Did you ever see that Twitter thread about the guy whose only goal was to protect his dog? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was amazing. He, like, got a house and then, like, had a spouse and there was a dog and was trying to protect the dog and then, like, everything was trying to attack the dog and the dog was going to die and then he accidentally murders his spouse and now he's on the run from the law. It's just like a threat. <laughs> This beautiful, beautiful awesome. turn of events, yeah. I kind of want to... I do kind of want to dink around Skyrim and, like, if I ever have time, like, in the off-season, like, maybe make a comic or a zine about it. Oh, yeah. It'd be really fun. Yeah. But also, I don't think I would be able to monetize it because it's someone else's IP. Mm. So there's there's that. <clears throat> and I don't think I ever want to work on someone else's IP, to be honest. Sure. Oh, unless Archie Comics wants me to do, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch um, in the way that it was done when it first started coming out. Career goals. Career goals. Uh, you can build houses in Skyrim, too. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. You can, there's, you can build three. It's a pain in the ass. However, depending upon your particular interests in the game... Mm-hmm. It can be fucking awesome. Like, if you are super <clears throat> into potions, you can build a house with, like, an herb garden. Whoa! And uh, and you can put, a, like, an alchemy table or an alchemy lab into it. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. And, like, you can put um, uh, an enchanting tower on one. So you can, like, depending upon, yeah, depending upon what you want to do. Or if you want to do everything, you can build all three houses and have them all modified differently. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can have like a fish pond and an apiary and yeah, like a, and I think it's actually a greenhouse. I think it's like a room in the house Whoa. that you grow plants in. Because then you can also have like a regular garden that grows like, you know, tomatoes and shit. Mm -hmm. Is it like out in the wilderness? Like Yeah, actually, they're in like really cool spots. Cool. Yeah, it's like three really unique places actually and that's not my style of game mm -hmm. to like go to the law mill and buy lumber <clears throat> and go to the smithy and buy nails and go build you know like mm -hmm. that sort of grind i don't i didn't play the sims for a reason mm -hmm. um but there's an achievement for building all three 
and uh, there was no way in fuck I was going to let Erica get every single achievement <laughs> and not follow suit. So I had to build all three houses. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then I think each one you can get, like, a house Jarl for. So, like, a little hanger-on that just, like, chills yeah. at your house and chases away bandits and you shit. You can get a butler for all of your houses? I think so. My God. <laughs> I need to... I've been playing Skyrim all wrong. <laughs> I need to go back and property bros the whole thing. Yeah. it's. I mean, <clears throat> it is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, 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 like, I think you can do all kinds of crazy shit. Like, I think, yeah, you can have your kids live there and... God, I'm so excited. They're working on um, the next iteration of the Elder Scrolls games, like the flagship one, and it probably will not be out for years, and it will probably be on whatever next generation console it is. But whatever it is, I'm excited about it. Yeah, definitely, dude. Because the one thing about Skyrim that I hated was that all of the character models looked like they were made in 2010. Mm. Because they were. It's like a 10-year-old, like a 6, 7-year-old game now, right? Mm, Eight? Eight-year-old game. Yeah, it's almost a decade old. Yeah, it's getting there. And it shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the environments are still beautiful. Yeah, I've actually been... I actually Last time I played, I went to a couple places that I'd never been before and was just like, dude, this fucking game is so good. Like, just from the aesthetics point of view, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, fuck. Yeah, I spent so much time just, like, dinking around in dungeons and murdering giants. Also, what is your take on murdering giants? I feel like... I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing it. Uh, I mean, if you don't want to, you don't have to. I felt worse about killing the mammoths. Yeah. No, but I actually... Um... <clears throat> they throw boulders at you and you die instantly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <coughs> they are kind of fucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of them will attack you aggressively and some of them will kind of just ignore you. They are kind of like weird man-children, right? Like. Yeah. Just kind of big and lumbering and useless, and I don't think they're particularly important to the story. No, then, like, I think they might just want to be left alone. Like, they're probably, like, over-harassed. Yeah. Like, all those giants! If I owned the newest generation of gaming system, Mm -hmm. I would probably be more excited about that media than anything else yeah like i see a lot of games like uh the new red dead and i'm mm-hmm. like man that red dead redemption was such a good game and it's like oh i'd be excited for that or uh i think it's fucking dope that like the newest iteration of uh, assassin's creed oh i'm playing that right now is it good it's gorgeous it's so beautiful it's uh the storytelling is a little dry for me at the moment, so there's nothing narrative wise that's propelling me forward. But sure. it's just fun to dink around in ancient Greece. And then I also played um what was it, Origins? With uh where they're in ancient Egypt. Oh nice. That was beautiful. It's gotten to the point where the games are so meticulously and gorgeously crafted that they have a tourism mode where you can just like hang out in ancient ruins in Egypt and not have to worry about killing things. You you could just explore replicas of ruins that's pretty cool yeah so it's really really fantastic um horizon zero dawn was really beautiful when that was out i heard super good things about that again made me almost consider the sony route Mm -hmm. because that was exclusive right Mm -hmm. yeah i think so it was beautiful i don't like like i had never i've never been into any kind of shooters and that was one that I got kind of on a whim because I wanted to play, like, what is a AAA Western title like? Mm-hmm. And it blew me away. It was beautiful. And then I got into, like, Infamous. 
That sounds weird. Oh, yeah. I hate that. When you feel it under the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'd been playing Overwatch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did I talk about that last year? I think because I asked you, because I was like, what the fuck is Overwatch? Oh, it's so that's so far right. out of my purview. <clears throat> yeah. That... It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm really, I'm really into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine is one of the writers now. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got two writers. And I am, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the game, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not, like, I want to be surprised. I don't want to know what's going on. Like, don't tell me anything. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got all nervous. I was like, mm, you're probably under contract and you can't tell me anything, so this is probably fine. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, but it's a lot of fun. It's one of those games that really capitalizes on its fan base, and uh, kind of uh, there's a there's a fun little back and forth with it, where the main narrative is not explicit most of the time, and you kind of have to like glean much of it through the character interactions that happen informally while you're out in the field. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and you you know you play in a team of six with a bunch of strangers. A lot of oftentimes there's children, so. It's a very, it's like, a, it's a, it's a game experience that I'd never had before, but I'm having a really excellent time with it, and I've gotten really good at, like, some healing characters. That's another thing that I've learned about myself through playing video games with other people, is that I always play support classes. Mm. <clears throat> I like those healers. Yeah, I always, like, had the desire to do that but not the self-control mm-hmm. you gotta be like yeah dude being an archer is badass and then like as soon as like you hit the field it's like give me a fucking sword i'm hacking shit up <laughs> <laughs> i got into it because like my friends were playing it and they're like let's play this game together and i was like i've never played a shooter before i'm really nervous about playing online with strangers what if a bunch of people are dicks to me on the internet like just lots of these different things and then I started playing it, and I was like, oh, this is not strictly a shooter, is it? Like, you get to kind of, like, figure out, like, who works for your sensibilities and, you know, and play accordingly. And that's great. That's legit. So you can curate, like, a team of your own, if you will. Mm, it's not I mean, all super randomly generated. Like, if, you, if, you, if I was like, yo, dude, I got Overwatch, let's play. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can hop on a team with your friends, and you three can, like, team up with, a, with three strangers and play on another team of six. And is it just like uh, any normal, like online shooter or whatever? Like capture the flag, king of the hill, kill everybody as many times as you can in ten minutes, or like that mm, type of shit. There are two different. There's generally two different modes, and one of them is like you know, um, capture these capture these points, and another one is escorting a payload. Mm, okay. Yeah. So there's there's those two, and there yeah they provide a lot of variety. Oddly enough. Yeah, you never get to pick the stages, so you never have to worry about that, but you can pick your own character. Hmm. Interesting. Oh my god, and they recently made their, like... So their mascot um, is, like, a lesbian character. Really? Like, from the beginning. Yeah. Hmm. So their main character is, like, is Tracer, and she's real fun, and, you know, she has, like, a canonical girlfriend, and, like... And so that's really cool. The player base is still, like, toxic as shit, because it's a bunch of, like boys who like will harass women gamers off of the competitive scene or whatever there's some weird controversy about it once recently where like a player 
masqueraded as a woman and then they like tried to chase her out of it and in doing that discovered that this player wasn't actually a female player this was very like many layers of fucked up that was but it was still what was very the like point of that Oh, it's uh, Overwatch is now a viable competitive like esports league. Sure. And so you know, there's a lot of money there, and people are vying for professional positions. And um, you know, gamers are already in their feelings about dumb shit all of the time, so everything's heightened for no reason. Yeah. So the person who was pretending to be a female was trying to game the system, or was like doing it as like a <sighs> experiment in. Like, yeah, I think it was... watch what happens when men yeah. interact with women mm -hmm. yeah it was like a quote-unquote social experiment and the way that like college boys think they're really saying something if they like you know pretend to be a woman like in some other platform they're like people need to stop recommending black like me because like basic college boys are going to come out of it being like oh like i can pretend to be someone and like really walk a mile in their shoes and it's like no 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 like you can really take somebody's word for it Right. If they're telling you that they're having a really shitty time in this environment, like, oftentimes, like, you can really take their word for it. Oh, absolutely. And there's a big enough sample size of people, of, like, of women who've experienced lots of horrible harassment in video games. So, <clears throat> you know. But there, again, it's like, there are, you know, your gamer bros who don't care, and there are a lot of children who are just trying to have fun. I'm a pretty average player, too, so, like, I never get to the competitive levels where people start to be real pieces of shit. Gotcha. So, I always have fun. Because I'm mediocre. <laughs> the key to having fun at competitive video games is to be mediocre. I'll take your word for it. Oh, yeah, but to that point, they have, like, a, a gruff soldier character named Soldier76. He's real cool. He's, like, an old dude with a visor and a gun. And they recently <laughs> came out with... Um, the Blizzard recently came out with a supplementary material that material that um canonically describes him as being attracted to men like he had a relationship with another man in the canon <laughs> and people lost their shit it was amazing awesome there are also a lot of hot takes about like well this is problematic actually from like well-intentioned queer people but like i don't know at the end of the day this is a fictional character this is a company that really can't do all that much it's beholden to shareholders and places outside of the U.S. as well, and so there's only so much that it can do within the game. So it's... So, of course, it's not going to be satisfying to a lot of people, and I can't find it in myself to prioritize that particular stress. Like, I think that's a real criticism, and yet at the same time, I'm like, there are other things that I can do that will positively affect my community in ways that are actionable, instead of twiddling my thumbs and being mad on the internet about a fake imaginary character in a video game. Like, yes, it matters, and yet I have other things to do. I feel like people got this. Right. What time do you need to be out of here? Well, I'm trying to get out of here by, like, four-ish, so okay. I can be back in time for, like, dinner. Yeah. And it's 3.30 now. Should we call it? Yeah, we can. Let's call it. Okay. Let's go back and hang out for a minute. I need to use the bathroom. Okay, cool. <sighs> find a gas station and fill back up it only takes a half a tank of gas to get up here nice yeah. that's pretty wicked uh-huh apparently i didn't realize that it's 3500 construction somewhere in the cities probably that's just like super fucked yep 
Yeah, it was on my route to work too, so I like had to like. So my commute was already an hour, and then it was like three hours both ways each day, and I couldn't drive like an hour and a half. And I just, uh, it was a terrible time where I woke up at five thirty in the morning every day, so I could leave at six thirty, so I can get to work by eight o'clock. That's fucking brutal. It's miserable, and I spent like uh, I had to fill up the gas tank once a week. And it was like 45 bucks every time because I would like go all the way through and I knew when, you know, the tank would be empty. So. That's brutal, dude. And so, then trying to fucking work on mm-hmm. comics. Like, yep. Yeah. So I was working like 75, 80 hours a week on the regular and it was bad for me in so many ways. No, you don't <laughs> say. No, apparently you need to have some kind of work life balance. But we're millennials. Everything needs to be monetized, otherwise we die. Kind of how it goes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So please, send me money. Send me money. <laughs> fuck you, pay me. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what for, but send me money. Come sit in the spear house, send me money. Mm. That's what I should do, monetize the podcast by making guests pay me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What a world. What a fucking world. (laughs) I'm just hoping I win the lottery. That wraps up this expedition. Glad Trunk could make it up again this year. It was awesome as always to get out and hang. Hear his perspective on all these things. Solid dude all around and excellent spirit despite getting blanked this year. Make sure you check his workout all over. Trungles.com. He's got a Patreon. His Instagram and Twitter game are also dope. He made an adorable comic out of that trip to Italy with his grandmother. Well worth your time. As always, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Give a like and a share. Follow along on Twitter and Facebook. I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North. We'll be right back.